Hi, I'm Rob Wolf, Director of Communications at the Center for Court Innovation. This is New Thinking, our podcast series where we interview justice professionals who are addressing some of the most challenging problems society confronts. Today I'm talking with David Sargent about domestic violence. David served 21 years with the Metropolitan Police Department in Washington, D.C., and he now works with the Maryland Network Against Domestic Violence. Thanks for taking a few minutes to chat. You're welcome. Pleasure to be here. Uh, David's in our office today helping train a group of visitors that we're hosting from Minnesota. The focus of your training is on a process called the Lethality Assessment Program, which is a screening tool that police use to identify high-risk domestic violence victims and then there's a process around that, what you do with that information. So, so that's what I wanted to ask you about. What is a high-risk domestic violence victim, and how does the lethality assessment program fit in? Well, when we say high-risk, what we're saying is that this victim is at the greatest risk of being killed. The screening process that we use is evidence-based, mostly on the work of Dr. Jacqueline Campbell from Johns Hopkins University who has done danger and lethality assessment work over the past more than 25 years. And we have used that information with Dr. Campbell's assistance to be able to take information that has been available on a clinician's level since uh, before 1981, to be able to take that information and to bring it to the level of the field practitioner so that the field practitioner can make the same research-based assessment identification of victims who are at the greatest risk of, of being killed. With that information, what we do is we try to get victims into domestic violence services, and we use a very proactive approach to be able to accomplish that. For example, with police officers, the officer uses the screen on the scene of a domestic violence call. Wait a minute, before you go on, so, so the police officer is called to a scene and there has been an allegation of domestic violence and then the screen is a, is a series of questions? Essentially after the investigation is completed, the officer goes through a process where he tells the victim that he would like to ask her some questions to get a, a better idea of her situation. And he proceeds to ask the 11 questions that are a part of the field screening process. If a victim has answered yes to enough of these questions, which an officer immediately is able to determine, the officer tells the victim that she's in danger, that in situations like this people have been killed, and what he he or she, uh, the officer, would like to do is to contact the domestic violence hotline to be able to get some information to pass on to her, but also for her to think about getting on the phone with the hotline worker. It's always the victim's decision. If the victim answers, no, I don't want to get on the phone, then we respect that, but we encourage her again, and we say, well, that's fine, you don't have to, Uh, but as I said, I'm going to call the domestic violence hotline to get some information to pass on to you, and while I'm on the phone, I'd just like you to think about speaking with them. We've essentially hit the victim cold with this kind of information or this overture that we've made to her. So we would like her to have an opportunity to be able to process it and proactively have the hotline worker right there prepared to speak with her. Let me ask you, I mean, just to give a sense, what kinds of questions are you actually asking that help you make this determination? Questions uh, are, again, those that are most predictive of homicide. 
uh, such as, has he ever threatened you with a weapon? Does he have access to firearms? Has he ever tried to, as we say in the screen, choke you? And we know the word is strangle, but choke is the word that the public commonly understands. We ask questions like that, that as we've determined from the research, are most predictive of homicide. And not of re-abuse. That's a different level. Again, we're trying to identify that portion of those victims who are being abused who are at the greatest risk of being killed. And just to understand how this differentiates from common practice, because I'm sure that police officers or in many jurisdictions give a referral of some kind when they leave, this sounds much more proactive where the officer is actually making the phone call in front of the victim. Is that that sort of what distinguishes it from uh, other methods? It, It is, absolutely. Uh, you're right. The, the the normal approach is for simple referral. We decided early on during the development of, of the, the screen that it was not sufficient to have just an, an instrument that identified victims who were at uh, risk of being killed, but to have something proactively to be able to move that victim along to be able to, ta- to, to take action. What we found with our victims that we that we work with uh, through calls for service is that that is generally a different kind of victim than the victim who picks up a telephone in the middle of the night to call a domestic violence hotline because she is ready to get help. The victims that we see are not in the same at the same stage. There is a process called the stages of change that victims go through, and generally the victims that we're seeing on the road are those victims who are in the early stages of change. And so they don't don't recognize the situation they're in, and they are less apt to move forward. And so the process, the lethality process, by asking the questions and hard questions to, to, to answer to and telling the victim, that in situations like this, people have been killed, which is true, and we know that from the, re- from the research, to try to open her eyes and try her, to get her to take action. Getting the hotline worker is another part of that. And part of the job of the hotline worker, when she has the opportunity to speak with the victim, is that the hotline worker will encourage the victim to come in for services, even to the point of scheduling an appointment and telling the victim that, you know, when tomorrow comes and you're getting, you're thinking about this appointment, you're not going to want to come in. Resist that and come anyway. We've been successful in getting victims into services. The national percentage is that of victims who have been killed in domestic violence situations, only 4% of them had ever availed themselves of the services of a domestic violence program, either because they didn't know about it, because they weren't ready to take action, or they were afraid uh, afraid to take action. Well, now victims become aware of our services. And 38% of victims who went in for services in 2010 in the state of Maryland, 38% of victims who spoke on the phone, excuse me, went in for services. And these are high-risk victims that we know of. None of that 38%, which last year was nearly 1,200 victims, none of those victims was killed in a domestic situation. So it's one of those situations that's challenging, really, ultimately, to measure the impact on on homicide, presumably, but you're looking for other indications, like these are people who probably would not have gone for services if if the officer hadn't been so proactive, and the the 
a hotline um, operator also hadn't been proactive. In the last three years, uh, our intimate partner homicide rate has been reduced by 41%. We can't attribute that to the lethality assessment program, but when we are getting the percentages of and numbers of high-danger victims into services that we are, and none of those has been killed, and I think we can say with some hope that uh, the reduction is due in large measure to the work of the uh, lethality assessment program. So uh, I'm speaking with uh, Dave Sargent, who uh, served 21 years with the Metropolitan Police Department in Washington and is now helping train people in Maryland and around the country in the lethality assessment program. And I wanted to ask you about that. I know it started in Maryland. When did it actually start? And now how widely is this process used? Uh, we uh, went through a development process uh, with a large committee, multidisciplinary committee, uh, between 2003 and 2005. We implemented it in the state of Maryland in uh, October of 2005, and 92% of our law enforcement agencies that respond to calls for service participate in the lethality assessment program, including our, our, our state, state police. All of our domestic violence uh, programs in all of our counties are, are participants as well. Yes, we have uh, extended beyond Maryland. The lethality assessment program is now being implemented by more than 140 law enforcement agencies in 13 states uh, with their partner programs. And we're preparing to train even more jurisdictions in other states uh, as we speak. So this has had a broader impact than we uh, imagined uh, when we first began. But I think it, uh, it just speaks to the simplicity of use, but also to the, the paradigm shift that has occurred in how victims are worked with, both by law enforcement and by uh, the domestic violence program. And the communication level between the two, between uh, domestic violence uh, services and law enforcement agencies, has been a big byproduct of the lethality assessment program. It's improved. And it will improve if the agency and the program are working together to make sure that there are successful aspects of this, that they try to get a victim into, uh, on the telephone, the officers do, that the hotline tries to get the victim into services, encourages them to take that step, and it happens. And our, in small sample surveys that we've done uh, with victims, they have told us that they have gone in for services one in one respect based on the partnership that they felt between the law enforcement officer and the hotline worker during the time of that call for service. They sensed a certain working together that was occurring, and they felt support from both that officer and that hotline worker. And that was the encouragement that, that propelled them to, to go forward to seek out the services. So, so obviously you recommend that groundwork be laid between the police agency and the hotline to coordinate this, obviously, because it just doesn't happen naturally, it sounds like. It has to happen. Both the law enforcement agencies and the domestic violence program have to be willing to work together uh, to see this through. And the 11 questions, are they? is it very user-friendly for a police officer? Can anyone do this? Or... Are there? Is it best if an officer is a special kind of officer uh, 
trained not only in this questionnaire but in the in the domestic violence issues? We do go through considerable training because we we want to be able to convey the the process that we believe is at stake here, and 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 we want the officers and and uh, domestic violence advocates to to fully understand the process. But the actual practice of it is very, very simple. Yes, any police officer can ask the questions. Any person who's working in an agency, a receptionist who's working for an agency uh, that may see a domestic violence victim come in during the course of its normal work, would be in a position to be able to administer this. And they're not conveying any kind of professional or expert information what they're doing is they're refer, referring. So they're essentially serving as a conduit to that domestic violence program where the expert information can, can be relayed. So, yes, anybody can do it. And we encourage, and part of the process is to train other community partners to be able to use the lethality assessment program, such as uh, hospitals, uh, departments of health, departments of social services, even the faith community. Because we find that victims go to their faith leaders to disclose domestic violence and to seek guidance in, in large numbers. And if they're going to this source for help, then we need to work with, that, with those faith leaders to be able to allow them to be able to serve as an appropriate conduit to the professional help that is available through the domestic violence programs. And if someone wanted to uh, find out more about the Lethality Assessment Program, where can they get information? Well, uh, it's on uh, the Maryland Network Against Domestic Violence's website, which is uh, www.mnadv.org. All our information is there, including our email information, which is info at mnadv.org. Great. Well, I thank you so much for uh, taking the time uh, to speak with me. Thank you very much. I appreciate the time. I'm Rob Wolf, Director of Communications at the Center for Court Innovation. I've been talking with David Sargent of the Maryland Network Against Domestic Violence about the Lethality Assessment Program. To find out more information about the Center for Court Innovation, you can visit our website at www.courtinnovation.org. Thanks for listening.